Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. Okay, so I am here with Tabitha Del Angelo, and I'm so excited, first of all, that you're here. We had Thank like you. stops and starts, right? Um, I'm going to say what I know you to be without like looking at your bio, and then you can just correct me and adjust as needed, okay? Okay. So you are a college professor, currently acting dean. You are a performer. You are a writer, you are a podcast host, you are a mother, you are a wife, you serve on the school board, which is like, if you did nothing else but that, that would be Herculean. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you even, I know a secret that you had like a little short-lived moment as a trapeze artist. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes yeah <laughs> so did I get anything wrong right what what did I miss yeah no I mean I guess that that's everything I mean you know I I, I appreciate that you you named um being a wife and a mom I mean I'm also a daughter and a sister and uh I come from a, a big Italian family so that that's important because we are um we never move too far from one another and we're, you know, we count on each other for a lot. So, so the family connections that. are, um, are also important. Oh, that's so great. I, I actually thought about it, but then I started to go, where will I end? I seriously was going to go a daughter. And then I was like a friend, an <laughs> aunt, a cousin. Yeah. I just didn't know where it all ended, <laughs> but I guess with a big Italian family, that's all like very germane to who you are right yeah I mean I'm I, I, I'm sure it's true for a lot of people but I think when I was growing up that felt very like that's just the way it is um and as I've gotten older I realize um it's not true for everybody you know both because uh some people you know move far from their families and they don't have access to them all the time um some people just don't have much of a family maybe they don't have siblings maybe their parents have passed and you know and so a lot that uh both I take for granted and also that yeah. drive me crazy. I have no appreciation for. Right. No, I, I love it. I, I think that I've grown in appreciation of my family as well, but there is something that, you know, I don't know. There's something like movie, like about a big Italian family. It's just something that we've all grown up kind of seeing and wondering, is that really the way it is? You know, I don't know. I won't travel down the road of stereotype. I was about to. Well, no, well, okay, but I'll tell you. No, but I, well, yeah, it's every Sunday, right? So, um, but here's a. This is a kind of a funny story. It's not really a funny story, but it. But I just recently did this leadership day with some students at my college and the students set it up and they set it up in this really cool way. It was kind of like speed dating. So like every table, there were a group of students and then they had all of the deans. It was during women's history month. And at my school, all of the deans are women. So they invited us all to sort of just talk to the students about like how we got to where we are and, and just have like down to earth conversations. So at one of the tables, the students, they all had questions. And one of the questions was something about, you know, tell me an interesting story about your childhood or something like that. And I said, well, I grew up in South Philly and I kid kidding around. I said, so ask me. And I said, I'm so South Philly. Ask me, you know, how South Philly are you? And I made the whole table go, how South Philly are you? Which they did. <laughs> And I said, this is how South Philly I am. When I was in first grade, I had to come home with um, 
a permission slip for my parents to sign so that I could be an extra in the first Rocky movie. So now you know how old I am, but also, um, you know, so, and they, they cut the scene. We weren't in the scene, but all of us came out from our school and we all went to Broad Street. We all walked to Broad Street and they had all the kids and we had a cheer as Sylvester Stallone wrote, you know, ran down the street. Um, Oh, that's cool. I know. And so one of the students said, you should always tell that story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But to your point about like the stereotypical, like the, you know, like, yo, Adrian kind of, you know, it, it, like it's, it's not just the real life, but it's also the movie, the movie, you know, reality. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You merged your life with, and you're from South Philly to me that like kind of levels up, you know, your cred, your, your, your Italian cred. So, yeah, I, well, I mean, I moved to Jersey in fourth grade, um, but okay, we always, gotcha. a lot of my family, even some of my family still lives in South Philly. And we always sort of identified with that. And early, I think it was like maybe within the first year or something that I lived in Jersey, somebody bought me like a bumper sticker. I don't even know why, like I'm a fourth grader, but a bumper sticker. And it said, <laughs> Jersey girls, the best in the world. And I taped it to like a wall in my room and my aunt Donna came in my room and looked at it and she ripped it right down (laughs) she said you're not you're not a Jersey girl right so that was always kind of our thing oh that's really funny hey you know what you just reminded me of though it's really funny because I grew up in this area of Bucks County close to New Jersey and we would go to the shore and we would consider we would just I think we would pretend that we were Jersey girls like I remember that on a t-shirt we were like yes we are because we spend a week here every year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's a little, that's a big part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So did you grow up always knowing that you would be in education? Was that your lifelong dream? Was that something you knew? No, not at all. I mean, when I was a kid, um, I was, I loved school. I always loved school. Uh, but I, I think I always just wanted to be in the arts. Um, I, when I was a kid, I would write plays. Um, I would, you know, I wanted to, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't really somebody who wanted to be out in front necessarily. Um, but I did like, you know, if we, if I had a teacher that was doing, um, you know, a mock trial or a, a, some kind of um, presentation, like I really always liked that. And, and I drew, I would draw and draw and draw like that's, I loved drawing and I really wanted to be in the arts. I knew I always wanted to be in the arts. Um, but I, I also think coming from, you know, not to be too stereotypical, but like an Italian American South Philly working class family. Um, I'm, you know, first gen, uh, you know, my family is, they are all very intelligent. They are extremely hardworking. You could depend on them for everything, but education was not, um, that wasn't something that was really valued past like finishing high school. Um, And so then when I decided I was going to go to college and I was going to be a theater dance major, which is what I had decided I was going to do, even though I was like varsity softball, varsity field hockey, like I could have gone to a college and done, you know, like at least a partial um, uh, athletic scholarship. But I was like, nope, I want to do theater dance. And my my family did not know what to do with that. Um, and then I remember once I was at Temple and there was a class happening and it was like in a movie theater. It looked like a movie theater and projected onto the screen were, were artworks. And I was peeking in and I was mesmerized. And after the class, students came out and I'm like, what was that class? And they said, art history. And I'm like, what is that? And then I was like, I want, I want to do that. And I remember coming home and saying, I think I want to take art history classes. And my family was like, what, like, what even is that? Like, no, you know? And so I do think there was this tension between what I loved and what I really felt drawn to. And then like the practicality, like you need to make money. Um, and so, you know, I, because I was bartending, I was waiting tables. I remember one time my grandfather said to me, you make good money. You make good money behind the bar. 
what do you need to go to school for? You know, so, um, so I think I chose something that I felt that I was good at, um, that felt like, I, I don't want to say easy, but it felt accessible. Like I understood yeah. what this is. I understand if this is what I study in college, it's very clear at the end, what my job is, yes. you know, and when you're in a professional school, you're teaching or nursing for the most part, when you're finished, you know what you are. If you study business, well, what are you at the end? Like yes. it could be sales. It could be marketing. It could be. And I guess I just felt like I needed to know when I'm done. And this goal. is what I'm, yes. And, and that was really coming from, you know, um, I think insecurity, like my family was, you know, I was always taken care of, but we didn't have a ton of money. Um, you know, so I think there was this in the back of my mind, this like desire for like thinking big and doing this arts thing, but also this reality that like, I know what it feels like to not have enough money to get through the week. I I knew what that looked like when my parents were, were dealing with that. And so, um, so I chose security. That's a really long answer for your simple no, question. No, that's a great <laughs> answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what's so interesting about, you know, where we start with our desire and how we get to where we are, you know, right. I, I'm always so interested and there's usually, you know, turns along, along the way. But I think the answer to that question is, is, you know, some kids grow up and they're like, I'm going to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and they know it. And then sometimes I think the best teachers don't know it because they've explored other avenues yeah. and arenas you know exactly yeah if you, if you you really do need to explore and it took me a long time and then what happened was i taught for a very short period of time special ed and i remember being on a committee where we were supposed to be choosing kids who were going to be getting awards and one of the awards was for like a most improved and there's a student in my class who started out like failing math and Nellie was going to get a B. And I'm like, it's got to be Charles. And they were like, oh, your kids can't get these awards. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Wow. You know, and they're, you know, they're only for the certain kind of kid. And I'm like, but yes. if this award is for most improved, he started out with an F and now he's getting a B. Like he's amazing. Right. And then I started thinking about resilience and like, well, what keeps these kids going when they're not necessarily getting a lot of support or when they're not really seeing like a future of success and, and things like that. And so it, in a very short period of time, I'm like, I need to go, I want to do research. I need to go back to school. I need to explore this more. Oh. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now. So when you went back to school to explore that, what did that look like? What, what were you studying? Yeah. So I went to uh, Penn for a master's degree in, uh, it was called interdisciplinary studies in human development. It was basically applied psychology. And I studied with this woman, Margaret Spencer, who's um, famous for a lot of things, but, but uh, in particular, her focus on resilience and what makes, what makes kids resilient in the face of obstacles. And, um, and so my intention was to study for her with, for a year and go back, go back to teaching. But then once I was there, I was really, um, I was just drawn in. I just loved doing research and I loved, I mean, it was access to a, a world that I had no idea existed. I mean, just again, like a little like backtrack, my very first semester in college, I was at Temple. And I remember in one of my classes, students talking about grad school. And I didn't even know what that meant. And I was like, what's grad school? And they explained it to me. And I'm like, what? Like, you're done and you're going to do more? Like, why would you do that? So <laughs> I didn't know what grad school was. And then when I finished undergrad and then I was thinking about grad school, I also didn't really know how to do it. I literally picked up a US News and World Report and applied to the top five um, graduate schools of education because I didn't, I had no idea like what, that's wow. what happens to first gen college students right. is like, you don't really have, a, you don't have a, a system, you don't have a network. Right, of there's no blueprint, you. you're right. creating the blueprint, you know? Right, exactly. And of sure. course, I mean, so you landed at Penn, which is not shabby. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was amazing. That's really, really cool. And so how did you land on the school board? 
Um, so yeah, so actually, so this is another, you know, story of like, you know, uh, when people say, you know, school board, what's going on? Like, what's the school board? I totally get it because I, even as a teacher, I didn't really pay attention school board. You know, I was a teacher for like a very short period of time. And then when I went to Penn, I was a grad student. I was working in a different just like a different context I was doing after school programs. And I remember people saying like, oh, you, we need to get board approval for your program and things like that. But again, I didn't really know what that meant until I moved here and I moved to Bucks County and we lived, um, we actually moved when we moved to the borough, initially we lived in the township and we had a, we had a child, he was little, we moved to the borough and he was just about ready for first grade. And somebody said, oh, there's a school board seat available. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And so then I started doing a little searching, what's a school board? What do they do? And I thought, oh, I want to do that because I really was always very interested in policy. And even at Penn, like I would, you know, I, I loved my policy classes. I loved studying policy. And I thought, oh, this would be a really cool way for me to get involved in, in local policy related to school boards. Maybe I've got something to offer. Um, and at the time I had just moved to the borough and there was another woman who was going to be running and everybody knew her. She was like known. She was beloved. Um, she was, she's kind of like a, like a unicorn. Cause she was both beloved. People said she was like so kind and so nice, but they were also like, she's a bulldog. Like she's going to get stuff done. And I thought, you know what, this isn't, I just moved here. I don't right. You know, this isn't my territory yet. Right. And so she ran, she, she won and she served, um, and she was great. She was, and I'm a Democrat, she's a Republican. But when it came time to run again, I didn't run against her because I thought she was doing fine. Like I'm not so ambitious that I, or so partisan that I wanted to like knock her out just because she was a G GOP. I thought right. she was great. So, so I didn't run against her. But then unfortunately she got sick. And <clears throat> when she got sick, um, she got sick and she hung in there for a long time, but then eventually she resigned. And what happens when you resign because she, you're an elected official, um, they, instead of doing a special election, they just, they appoint someone. So they put out a call, you had to submit resumes, um, be interviewed, and the current board interviewed people to decide who was going to be on the board. And um, I did get two votes, but I did not, I was not chosen. Um, but then after that, I was sort of like, well, wait a minute. Like, I think I could do this. Um, previous to that, I had been going to school board meetings. So I've probably been going to school board meetings for eight years, maybe more, maybe nine, nine years, something like that. And over the years, I've seen things on the school board that have made me think, you know, I think I could be useful. And then mm -hmm. um, the, the longer I was here and the more I started, you know, interacting with parents and teachers and, and going to the school board meetings, the more interested I became. And then when, when the last election came up, um, it was basically to finish out the two years that that other school board member um, left. And it, for that, I, I ran and I won that seat. And so that's how I got to where I am now. And I mean, I think, I almost think everybody in every part of the country, maybe I'm in the dark, but I feel like everybody must know what's happening in Central Bucks and maybe they don't, but right now it is a hotbed of vitriol. It, it's kind of, we're in this moment where it seems as though people are showing up, whether they have a kid in our district or not, they are showing up with an agenda to stop. I mean, I'll just speak bluntly because I'm not on a school board and I'm not anywhere. It feels like they just want kids not to be gay. And I know that sounds crazy and I feel crazy even saying it, but we're in this environment where, you know, people aren't allowed to be who they are. There's kind of special things where if a kid changes their name, um, they have to get all sorts of permissions. There are books being banned from the library. Um, I, I think it's happening in other parts of the country, obviously too. So it's, and it's, people are enraged. They're getting yeah. up to the microphone at school boards and they are being vicious. Right. And it takes, it takes a lot of, it takes a strong stomach to go 
to the school board meeting. Mm -hmm. But it takes so much courage, Tabitha, to do what you do, to serve on the board right now and to be a voice for kids who maybe don't fit the norm or what people are saying is the norm. Yeah. So A, how does that feel for you? And B, how do you do it? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I mean, there are, there are a lot of days where I think I can't do this, um, where I really like my heart is pounding. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. I like, I feel unwell, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's often anxiety because I, I don't know what to expect, you know, like I may walk into the room and everything's fine and people are relatively friendly and, you know, maybe we disagree and it's fine, but leading up, I don't know, is this going to be a meeting where everything's fine or is this going to be a meeting where people are calling me out by name and maybe saying things that aren't true. Like that's happened um, where people have called me out by name, said things that aren't true. Um, and I have to just sit there. So, and what, you, what people might not know is the school board, when people come to a meeting, they do their public comment and we're not really supposed to engage them. So you could come up and you could say anything, right? Like, so, so an example is I spoke at a vigil, um, on January 6th and I was asked to speak about education generally. And like, how did we get here? Like, what's the connection between education and January 6th? And I talked about, um, you know, media literacy and that there is this, like what I see, and this is my view, it's not, I'm not speaking as a school board member, but it's me that there's a lack of media literacy and this 24 hour news cycle has, people listening to news constantly, and they're able to plug into whatever confirms their bias. And we're not really always fact-checking it anyway. So the long story short, that's kind of what I talked about. And I said, I really think we need to be, you know, teaching media literacy to really be teaching all sides of issues, you know, all of that. Right. So that's what I talked about. Somehow, and I don't know how, actually, I kind of, I think I do know how this happened, but somehow people decided that I said now, and I will just preface this by saying that my comments were printed in the newspaper as an op-ed. So they were printed and they were filmed. So this could have easily been fact-checked, but a, 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 a citizen came up and during public comment said that I referred to my fellow board members as right-wing extremists. And by extension, I'm calling my constituents right-wing extremists. Now I never said that, like I literally never said it and it could be easily checked. Not only did the public commenter say it, but two of my fellow school board members came prepared, like prepared comments written where they reinforce and amplified that statement, which isn't true, right? Now I'm not supposed to interrupt. Um, and so we were, there's really not supposed to be crosstalk. So I have to just sit there wow. and, and let that float and uh, and what do you do with that? Right. And so, and I right. think sometimes the, and this doesn't just happen to me. I mean, it's happened to everybody on the school board, I'm sure. And I wonder sometimes does the public think if we don't respond, it's because they got us, you know, or right. the, like, do they realize that like, we're really just not like the, the, the rule is with the school board meeting is we're having a meeting in front of the public, not with the public, right? And so we listen to your public comments. We're supposed to take those into consideration. And then we have our meeting in front of you, but we're not really having, it's not dialectic, right? So um, so it's a very, uh, it's a very contrived yes. thing that, that, that I think sometimes contributes to yes. the division because it's not an open dialogue. No, and you know, as you're saying this, I don't think I realize that. And it feels as though it needs to be changed, you know, for so many reasons, but not least of which is that it feels as though it's getting dangerous. It feels as though there is 
a lot of rage and it's not, you know, they're, you're supposedly on the board, um, you know, to what set policy essentially is that really yeah for the most part i mean actually the the two most important things we do is hire a superintendent and um you know and set policy uh yeah. the, and and manage the budget i mean really like we're right. we are in charge of um being responsible with all of your tax dollars and that that's also right. super important well i give you so much credit because it's it's just become wildly it, it's like some sort of malevolent circus. <laughs> I use circus, but I don't want to say circus because I feel like that's too happy. And <laughs> and really, it's kind of everything that has no bearing on our kids, you know, and, and their learning. Um, well, and, and that, you know, I will just say this too, that, that this is one of the things that breaks my heart, that most if not all of the teachers are doing amazing work and not yeah. just the teachers, the educational assistants and the speech language pathologists and the nurses and the counselors and the principals, like they're, they're doing amazing, amazing work every day, every day. They spend more hours with our kids than we do a lot of times. Right. So I know that they, um, they, they care about our kids. They care about their learning. They care about them as people, um, to be a teacher is to have like a radical love for other people's children. That is magic. Um, and so I feel really, I don't know. I don't bad is such a, you know, it's a, there's gotta be a better mm -hmm. word, but I, I don't feel good about the fact that central Bucks is a place where teachers, where their work, their important work um, that they do every day is being overshadowed by culture wars. Yeah. You know, um, that that the definition of our district has is is about turmoil right now. And and it makes me um, you know, it, it I feel for the teachers who probably are thinking, I am working hard every day to yeah. make life for your kid great. And, but we are, you know, um, that's, that's not how our district is being seen right now. And, but I, I do think that there is turmoil and there is conflict. Um, and that's important and it's important for us to fix that, but we are so much more than and mostly yeah. good stuff <laughs> well i have just a couple more questions and then i won't keep you know this barrage of school board questions but no it's fine um what keeps you going like why haven't you just said you know what i cannot people there was a recent incident where somebody came who was armed yeah. there are people who take it even past the board and they start writing all of these comments in social media and it becomes very aggressive. It becomes very personal. And it's, it's, you said the word bad seems like an understatement. The word mean seems like an understatement. Yeah. Um, so where do you find the strength? What it, the courage? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a couple things. I mean, one is that even the people with whom I have the deepest disagreements, I truly believe that they want to do right by kids. It's just that what they what they see as doing right by kids and what I see as doing right by kids is drastically different, right? But ult but ultimately, now I'm not talking about like the you know the political machine, right? But the people right. in our community, um, they want that they they're doing what they think is the best thing for kids, right? So so I try to remind myself of that all the time. But the other piece is that there are kids in our district who you know, you said earlier who, you know, like don't fit. Right. But it's just, yeah. you know, who might feel uncomfortable, who might feel like they're marginalized, who might feel like they're not heard, who might feel unsafe. Um, and they can't tap out. They can't all of a sudden tomorrow, not be gay or not be trans or not be like the one student of color in their, in their school. Um, and I feel like I, I have the privilege that I could be like, you know what, I'm out of here and I'll be fine but they're not going to be fine. And there's going to be one fewer person 
telling their story and giving them a voice um, and letting them know that they're being heard. And so I feel like I, it's really important for me to, um, to, to be there and to hang in there and to do whatever I can do, because look, a lot of people voted for me. Right. So I yeah. know that I'm not in the majority, yes. but the, ma the majority is getting every vote and that's, fine. That's democracy, right? But there's a lot of people who voted for me who also want to know that their voice is being heard. And so look, I've got a two-year term. I can do, I can, what can I do till November? Right. So, right. Right. Um, and I've got a lot of support and, you know, but, but really what keeps me going is, um, is the, the students and the teachers, like our community and the people who I know are, are counting on us to, um, you know, to not, not get so fatigued that we stop fighting for what we think is right. You know, as somebody who's sitting and observing from mostly the safety of my home, I really want to tell you, I admire you so much. And I'm always filled with admiration and gratitude when I see, you know, what you're doing and what you tolerate. And you know, it's such a sacrifice. I recognize it. And like you said, I know I'm not alone. I have this discussion with friends and other parents. So, you know, just putting that out there that I feel really thankful. Thank you. Um, That's nice. You're welcome. <laughs> so that all being said, what do you do to like kind of nourish yourself? Like what is oh a perfect God. day for you? <laughs> Uh, like not, I mean, right now, like nothing, um, uh, there's not right now is not, not a great time for me. I mean, you know, this, like my health's not great right now. Um, I have a new job. I'm so busy. So right now I'm not doing a good job of, um, of taking care of myself. I recognize that that is something that I need to do. Um, but I guess, you know, I'm looking forward. It's getting nicer out. Um, I'm very lucky to have like a, a nice comfy porch to sit on. So really like for me, um, a great day will be a day when I could just like my laundry's done. I don't feel like I got to clean my house. I know where my kids are. They're happy. And I can like sit on my porch and read a book. You know, um, this, it, I was actually thinking that today, like, I just want time to read, you know? So, yes. um, so when I get to like sit on my big comfy chair on my porch and just read and like, enjoy the breeze and like, listen to the chimes, um, that will be, uh, you know, th those are, those are really great days for me. So since you mentioned book, I'm, I'm always curious, like what types of books do you like to read? Oh my gosh. I read constantly. I love books. So, um, so I love, so right now I'm mostly listening to books because of the commute. Um, for a long time I did all, I was always reading nonfiction, nonfiction, and a lot of stuff about teaching, um, which I still love. But in the last couple of years, I've really gotten into um, more modern fiction. So uh, last summer, I read a book called The Leavers. It was dynamite. Um, then I read a book called The Rabbit Hutch, like so good. Um, just recently, I read The Dutch House. Well, and I'm saying that one, I'm going to be honest, I listened to and Tom Hanks read it. And the whole time I was like, mm, Tom Hanks is my friend. He reads me books, right? <laughs> um, so it was actually like lovely to have him read the book. Um, so yeah, so I've been, I've been sort of doing like lists because I'll go to like the New York Times bestseller list or the NPR, like NPR has a book what do they call it? Like a book. Um, it's basically like curated and you can click on, you know, fiction, nonfiction, you know, economics, law, like whatever you might be interested in and it'll curate little lists. And oh. I, um, yeah. And then I kind of like on my phone make little lists of things like, so as soon as I finish one, I'll grab another one. So, um, so that, you know, th that I've been reading a lot and then, and still, but still I'm reading, I'm reading teacher books. Like I just write, I, I was just at a conference and I picked up a book as like teachers as policymakers, right? So like, how, how can we empower teachers to, um, to participate 
in policy discussions and to help policymakers make policy that's informed, right? And, you know, I have a friend, Alan, and he wears a pen all the time that says, um, you know, like something like, you want to know what you should do? Ask a teacher. And I do feel like there's a there are a lot of policies being made that impact teaching and learning, but no, I don't know how often we're asking teachers. So that's a book I just picked up. Um, oh, I could talk about books forever. You just got, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll be quiet. Yeah. No, I I, I'm with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm really with you. Although these days I'm the slowest reader in the world, but I still read them. Yeah. Um, and speaking of teacher books, your husband's a teacher. So you're married to a teacher. Yeah. Is this the, are you guys always talking about education? Sometimes. Well, he's a big nerd. He's a science nerd. So he teaches anatomy and physiology for the most part. And he's also, um, he makes uh, instructional videos, like, so teaching tools. So I can't really teach to him. I can't really talk to him a whole lot about anatomy and physiology. Like he, he ask him about an action potential. He'll like corner you for a half hour. Um, but, you know, and he doesn't, know like psychology the way I know psychology or or ed policy or critical pedagogy right so like we don't really talk about our content so much but we often talk about approaches so like about pedagogy like so you know ideas for how to communicate complex concepts and stuff like that so we'll we talk about that that kind of stuff that's where that's where our Venn diagram overlaps sort of like in the like yeah. how how to teach yeah. Well, actually, that's great because that would probably be helpful on the school board. Somebody, you know, if I were there, it would be disastrous. <laughs> yeah, but nobody cares. I mean, it, I shouldn't say nobody cares, but on our school board, um, without, you know, sounding too critical right now, I think that among my my school board colleagues, um, my expertise in education is not, it's not valued. Um, and in fact, I actually think it's a liability because many of my fellow school board members, philosophically, we are so far apart that it doesn't, like if I say there's research to back this up, they don't believe that's, they don't believe in that research. Oh, you know, gosh. here's the okay. data. I don't believe in that data, right? So, so we're really at an impasse. Um, and yeah. school board, school board members don't have to know anything about education. And there is some value to that. There's some value to having like a diverse school board, having like lots of different perspectives. I think that's good. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, like, you know, I haven't, there's an attorney on the school board. Like if I have a legal question, of course I would, respect his perspective on that. Um, you know, we have a, a pediatrician on the school board. If there's a medical question, something about, you know, child safety or, or um, you know, something related, that something that they could respond to, I think we should be, you know, um, leaning on that. There's uh, another person on the school board who has a lot of experience in finance. You know, when we're in the finance meeting, they ask really good questions. Like, you know, so personally, I like that but unfortunately I'm not feeling that my perspective as an educator is yeah being that's a shame so right now that's a liability that's a shame because you know research is a good thing <laughs> knowledge is a good thing um yeah where do you find inspiration is do you find it in books do you find it in family do you find it in movies you know where do you seek out that inspiration? Uh, everywhere. I mean, really, like I'll listen to podcasts and I'll listen to it, like some random podcast that has nothing to do with education. And I'll be like, oh, that's an idea. They're like, going to use that. Oh, that's right. a great metaphor for this, you know, and, um, you know, in, in, in art, in conversations with people, like a lot of times I'll have a conversation with someone and I'm listening to what they're saying. And like, I'm really interested in what they're saying, but like what we're talking about will start to spark other questions and ideas. And, you know, so I think that, um, I think first and foremost, people, you know, I mentioned podcasts at first, but I think even the podcast, it's about people. It's about like those, the interviews and, you know, access to people and ideas that I might not normally have access to, but, but over and over again, like, you know, the, um, the people in our community that my students, you know, I think that's where I find, I find inspiration all the time from other people's stories. You know, it's interesting because you still seem so excited by and engaged in 
education, the process of it, the way people think, the way people learn. Um, you know, is that part of your goal for yourself, for your future? Do you see yourself staying in that world of education? Yeah, I just love it. I mean, I, 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 I can't, it's like, I can't separate myself from it. And what I've done over the years, because I still love art is I've brought the arts into my, my education practice. So, um, I wish I could say, you know, it's funny. Like when I was doing my dissertation, I was like, as soon as my dissertation's done, I'm done. And then when I got my job, I was like, as soon as I get tenured, I'm done. And then as soon as I get promoted, promoted, I'm done. And I keep, because I'm tired, right? Like we're all yes. tired. And I keep saying like, as soon as I get to this point, I'm taking a break, but then I can't because my, my brain keeps going. And I, and, and what you said is true. Like I'm, I get very excited about making connections, about seeing you know, um, new ways of doing things about innovating. Like, so I, I, I get very excited about those things. And, and I think I get energy from that. Um, and so I keep saying, like, I just want to sit on my porch and read a book, which I do. Uh, but I also just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like a funny joke. Cause I always like, you know, when the lottery gets really big or whatever, and I'm yes. like, if, you know, if I win the lottery, I'm out of here. And people are always like, you'll never, you will never <laughs> quit. And I'm like, no, I'm out of here. You'll never see me again. But I actually don't think, I don't think I can. Cause I think I like it. I just like, um, yeah, I like, I like teaching and learning and thinking about how thinking about thinking, thinking about, you know, how to solve problems. Um, that's really fun for me. So, and I think it's, probably true for lots of people. Um, but, uh, but I, I do think I, I get, um, I get a lot of energy and satisfaction from that. Do you think about, um, purpose? Like, do you think that that is your purpose? Do you think about that? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, it's funny because I don't know if you ever read like years ago, I think it was the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell's book, the tipping point. Mm -hmm. And in that he did this like typology of different kinds of people. And I've often thought my purpose is I'm a connector. Um, I'm very, he talked about this idea of a connector and I have friends who like, I'll be like, you should meet this person. And then that person is next thing I know, they've got this big job or they got this big project. And, you know, and I like that too. I really enjoy yes. that. Like, I like connecting people who, um, so, so I think that one of like, if there, if I have a purpose, I think my purpose is in like making connections and, and, and using that kind of, um, strategy to like solve problems and some problems that I won't even have a hand in solving, but except for the fact that maybe I introduced the right three people together or something like that. That makes so much sense. I, I mean, even the neuro, the neurological connections and the connections to understanding and people connection. I mean, there's so many ways that you can kind of take that. Um, okay. So I, at the end of the podcast, have started to do this thing. There is a um, organization called the liveproject.org. And it was started by somebody dear and close to me. And it is designed to um, encourage fearless conversation in the hopes that uh, this, it reduces teen suicide. It was founded for a beautiful young girl named Olivia, who they called Liv. So that's why it's called the Live Project. And they created this game and it's called the game that goes there. And I went, pick it up, but my dog or my cat bit it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like some teeth. I didn't bite it for the record. <laughs> it was an animal in my house. So, um, so the game is a game that um, families can play. Teenagers can play. Anybody can play. And you ask questions and there's a whole bunch of rules but there are three important rules um that one is be honest one is don't be a jerk <laughs> and the the last one is because it's the game that goes there you don't have to go there if you don't want to so I've started ending I pull a card and I ask it and you can answer it or not answer it and there's that's the thing so okay. can you play the game that goes sure. there? 
So I'm pulling a question and it says, people I don't get along with tend to be blank. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> people I, this is, I've thought about this. People I don't get along with tend to be versions of my old self. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I've had people who like, they get under my skin and part of it is that they are interacting in ways that I used to do that I, for me, that I recognized were not helpful and that I worked through. And so it, mm, yes. So it's like, like, ver like versions of my old self. I don't get along with. And is that old self, was it like an impatience or was, <clears throat> is that what it is? Like that? Well, <clears throat> here's a, this, a, so one of the, is, um, it's like, uh, what, one of the, the versions of my old self is the have to save everybody self. Right. Oh, so okay. I, I had a student years ago, for instance, who I remember it was Ash Wednesday, which I get ashes too. I'm, I was raised Catholic and she came up to me in the morning and she was like, are we going to finish class early because it's Ash Wednesday and everybody wants to know blah, 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 blah. And she would do that kind of thing all the time. She would speak for everybody. And I said to her, um, you know, I already looked this up and here's when they're doing ashes on campus and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, well, everybody, and I'm like, mm, I want you to just speak for yourself. Don't speak for, but everybody. And I'm like, no. And, and I used to do that. And I, I used to do that as yeah. maybe I still do. I don't, cause I don't have an everybody anymore, <laughs> but, but it's, it's one thing. One. Yeah, it's one. And I no, think it's, it's one good. thing to speak for, no. you know, maybe speak for your kids or something like that, like if that's appropriate. But I remember doing that when working in the restaurant and like speaking for everybody for to my manager and my manager being like at one time he she it was a her actually I remember Claire, she held up the 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 floor plan. And she said, What section are you in? And I said, right there. And she circled it. And she said, just worry about there. Don't worry about everywhere. You know what? That is a good one. That's a really good one. I have that warrior mentality where it's like, I've got this, everybody. And that can be good if you're speaking for a group who cannot speak for themselves, like right. a minority group or, but- Or who asked speaking, you. Or who, that's a, well, even if they ask you though, because sometimes that can even be a danger. You're reminding me, because I am the person where- even in a company, if everybody goes, Amanda, you go up, we want this. I'll be like, all right. <laughs> and right, there right. I go. So right, because it could be disempowering too. Like if you're always the savior, like yeah. then like, where's the line between that and like the enabler, like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I enable you to not stand up for yourself because I'm yeah. going to, I need to bubble wrap you. I need to take care of you, you know? So, so I think that that's something. And then, and the other part is, um, is uh, people who are like overly impulsive because that's something that I, I've worked on and, and I still work on. Um, 25 years ago, my friend Amy said to me, there's almost nothing that can't wait. And I think of that all the time. Like sometimes there's an emergency, but mostly everything could wait a day, an hour, whatever. And so I've, that's been a practice for me. So when I see people yes. who can't wait, and I'm, I find myself being like, almost everything could wait, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's, so. I need that too. I think I am your old self, <laughs> <laughs> but I like you, well, you don't get on my nerves. So um, it can't be that bad. Good. Thank God. <laughs> I want to say thank you so much. Not only for, as I said, doing the hard stuff in our community. Um, but just for coming on the podcast, I really, and for being open and sharing, I, I really appreciate it so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just want to add one thing about, um, your friend and that, would you say live.org it is? Oh, it's yes. Yeah, the liveproject.org liveproject.org. So, um, 
I don't know if you know this, but uh, five years ago, my nephew took his own life. He was 19. And, um, and it's impossible. Like it's still impossible. His, the, his yes. death of his, his the anniversary of his death is, is next week, actually. Um, and I've, I've made a promise to myself um, since then to always make a point to tell people, um, everybody, but especially people who might be struggling, um, that there is no version of this world that is better off without you. Um, and so I, you know, it just, it's, it's something that I think I, I wish, um, I don't think anybody said to Tyler, um, we all, we all meant it. Um, and I think that is the case, you know, anytime we lose someone to suicide, like, of course, everybody feels that way, but maybe we don't say it enough. So I'm just going to put that out there since you yeah, thank uh, shared. Liv yeah. was 19 as well. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I did do a podcast with Honey, her mom, and her sister, Tess, who have created this really great organization. And they also actually have a documentary that's been winning um, awards at film festivals, which you can kind of see if you go on liveproject.org. And, and, you know, a lot of what we talked about in the podcast is having that conversation. Sometimes we are afraid to talk about suicide, talk about feelings, mental health struggles, because we're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to put it in his or her head, right. but it might be in his or her head. And you know, I just think we all have to get better about talking about our mental well-being, yeah. our struggles. It's yeah, it's you know, it's really hard and so important. And um, so, thank you for yeah, thank sharing you. that. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. All right, Amanda, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.